0: Welcome to Claret Conversation, a podcast of voices from the creative industry. Here, we explain voices about how we ended up, where we ended up, and we share great works of art that inspired us, and that we, in turn, create. These are our first few episodes, and we're really pleased that we've had the opportunity to come together. My name is Katie Asbester, and I'm the editor and publisher behind Claret Press and Clapham Publishing Services. I'm here today with Sam McDonald, a local London gardener. Sam gardens particularly in Clapham, where his business, The Cottage Gardener, began in 2008. He specializes in soft landscaping, garden consultancy, and bringing gardens to maturity by trying to create a living tapestry of color between April and October. So welcome, Sam. Um, You're not actually from London though, are you?
1: Well, I went to school in London, but um, I spent a lot of summers up in Norfolk. Um, yeah, and that had a sort of profound influence on my um, love of nature and how I gardened as a result of that.
0: Can you, can you tell me what it is about Norfolk that so attracts you?
1: Well, it's particularly that part of North Norfolk, um, the sort of area between Hunstanton and Cromer. It's, it's just um, very wild especially for a place that is only about 100 100 miles from from London. It has a lot of um, estuaries and um, farmland, which is very beautiful. Um, It doesn't appeal to some people because they like hills, but um, it feels very natural to me.
0: So it sounds to me like you're a country boy at heart.
1: Well, I've met a lot of people, like-minded people who are sort of obliged to live in London because that's where most, of thing, most things are going on, um, but have a real strong affection for the countryside. It's the way that um, sort of mm, Britain or England has developed, is that everything's centralised on London. So I think a lot of people who are country people at heart don't really have the opportunities in their social life or in work to, to live in, in a more rural location. Norfolk's a very, very rural place there's not much going on there.
0: So Sam tell me about the first work of art that you brought with you that so influenced you you decided to be a gardener.
1: Well um, there were various works of art that were no longer in the National Gallery that had influenced me when I first went there um, but um, when I went back um, it didn't influence the name of my business But in terms of my own garden, I have an exotic garden, uh, which means sort of big-leaved plants like bamboos and formiums and that sort of thing. And the one that influenced that primarily was um, Henry Rousseau, the um, surprise with the tiger, um, um, with the sort of um, exotic plants in the background. And my mum did a stained glass window of that for her bathroom and it just um, really struck a chord. And in some ways, cottage gardening and exotic gardening are very similar because you just sort of jumble the plants up and the formal flowers do the talking as opposed to more formal minimalist or Islamic designs that you, you might have. Um, so yeah, there's so, a
0: wildness to, to Rousseau's paintings, isn't there, and and a wildness to cottage gardening as well. You know, it's it's but it's organised chaos.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say inform informality as opposed to wildness. I mean, it, it's quite um, it's all forced, isn't it? Cottage gardening is not really the plants who are enjoying themselves. They're actually fighting against each other, and you have to control them so it looks right. And that's the same with an exotic garden, is that you need to do various things to make it look wild, but actually it's not wild at all.
0: Well, that's interesting. I never thought of a cottage garden that way as being enforced competition, whether they wanted it to be or not, because it all looks so so gorgeous and so natural. You know, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't look at all artificial. I actually, do you think it's possible this is a great metaphor for the creative industry? You know, like we all, we all make it look so easy drawing or gardening or, or writing. And, and in fact, there's a, just a high degree of just grunt, hard work that went into it. There's nothing natural about it at all. What, what do you think? Is that, a, is that a metaphor that works for you or am I stretching a point?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously people who are outside any kind of industry don't really understand how it works. They just see the, the benefits of it, um, such as the, the book I'm doing with you now. I never really realised how much hard work and graph went, went into that, having just had the pleasure of reading books before, to suddenly have to actually put one together, even a very short book, um, is incredibly time-consuming and hard work. Yeah, I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah. It reminds me of a story, by the way, thank you very much for the plug for and Publishing Services. I swear that was not planned in advance. It just sounds like it was. It reminds me of something I heard once about ballet dancers that if we knew the amount of hard work and pain that went into going up on point and, um, you know, kind of you jump up in the air and you land on the tip of your toe and it hurts like the, it hurts like the Jesus, Like you'd never be able to go to dance, you'd never be able to go to the ballet and actually enjoy it. you spend your whole time kind of wincing and going, ow, ow, ooh, ooh, that's gotta hurt, gotta hurt. So it's best if we actually don't know. It's, it's a necessary illusion. How, what do you think about that?
1: Ballet dancers. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, or oh, indeed, I just wouldn't say that gardening's as 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 uh, incredibly unpleasant as that, um, because there breaks natural breaks in the season. Like you get the winter off, people go away in August. Um, at least I'm talking about as a London gardener. You know. Um, so it's not the same degree as that, but... Uh, <laughs>
0: Thank goodness, or else we couldn't <laughs> enjoy gardening either. <laughs>
1: um, but it certainly is different, yeah. uh, an amateur gardener, to a, to a professional gardener. It, any profession, it does take slightly the fun out of it.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. It does it's slightly, different. eh? Yeah. Well, how did you get into it then?
1: Um. Well, I I worked as a journalist, actually, a very sort of low grade one in in Estonia uh, as a sort of for actually a Eurosceptic magazine. Um, that came to an end because it was just a voluntary job and I came back to London and I didn't really know what I wanted to do and um, I went to the Institute of Horticulture and they had this job uh, sort of not this job, this uh, course at Hadlow College in Kent called Medicinal Horticulture and um, it just Struck a chord, it sounded quite interesting. So I did that, and that was two years. And uh, yeah, that just sparked an interest that I, you know, I still love gardening now, even though there are aspects of it, that, commercial aspects of it, that I don't enjoy. Uh, like
0: what? Like what?
1: Well, <laughs> to get, gardens in London are quite small uh, generally. So you need a lot of clients, and if you have a lot of clients, then some of them are gonna ask you to do things that they can't be bothered to do, or they or are especially hard work. So there isn't much skill in it, it's just a huge amount of, it can be unpleasant, you know, yeah. picking up dog shit or something like that. Yeah. Um, or, or just um, cutting ivy, which can be incredibly bad for your health because the, the dust comes off and often they don't know what time of year is the right time to do it, to prevent that, so it, it can be difficult. But then uh, other clients that I've had, I've been able to sort of really express myself, which has been incredibly satisfying.
0: Well, I think that's the great allure of working in the creative industry, is that despite it all, we have the, the opportunities, they might be fewer and further between than we hadn't had hoped for, but we do have the opportunities to express ourselves. And that's just a gift, you know, and, and that's really what you live for, is those kinds of moments and that kind of, of uh, sense of satisfaction that you get. Would you agree? <laughs> do I
1: feel self-satisfied? Uh... Yeah, uh, sort of. I mean, not, not, I mean, yeah, I, it's, uh, it certainly helped me a lot, but, um, I'm not really someone who's ever particularly satisfied. I'm, um, I wouldn't say I'm striving financially to, to get up the greasy ladder or whatever, but, um, other things, um, make me unsatisfied and I'm striving in that regard.
0: Mm. Well, we've talked about this in the past. One of the, the things that I have had to learn in my, my four years as being a publisher is technology. Technology, technology, technology. And it just feels like every time I get on top of a program, it upgrades or changes or there's something new comes along that you have to learn. And it, it just can wear you down. You know, with the best will in the world, you know, I'm am not even a technophobe, but it just wears you down. No. And uh, I, you know, I, I would I would, you know, not that I'm a not that I'm a quill and ink kind of girl, but I can understand suddenly the attraction if you just write it down on a piece of paper and you pass it around. The, it's starting to look very attractive to me. <laughs> but you know, that's the price we t- we pay. We're all lone rangers. You, me, all of us—you know—we're we're so isolated that we have to do everything, and that includes things that are very unappealing. Yeah. Would you do it all over again?
1: Well, I'd do it differently, but that's what everyone says, isn't it? Uh, oh,
0: I don't know. I'm not sure everybody does say that. But the...
1: I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I think a lot of people have. Um, regrets about how they'd lived their life. They, they, um, they wish they'd done certain things differently, maybe certain turning points. Um, yeah, but I mean the technology aspect of it, um, gardening at this stage is not, there's no technology really involved in it at all. Um,
0: it's got to feel like a get out of jail for free card.
1: Well some people love technology don't they I mean but I'd happen to agree with you that I I, I can't stand it I mean I the notes that I make I, I should really if I was being modern I'd I'd would have a file of my contacts and make notes on their garden and keep a record of that but I just make notes in in my book year um, year on year for what I think needs to be done to the garden and that that's usually sufficient because a year's cycle is usually enough to to enact various changes that you want to do in the garden. And then come the next year, you can forget the, the things you didn't do and, and change and start again. But in other past like possibly carrot press, you need to be sort of more, more organized in the technology aspect and keep th- thorough records of everything.
0: Well, I think the thing, the difference is, is that you, um, gardening way pre-existed, um, technology I couldn't be a small indie publisher without technology yeah you know without the digital without the ability to upload without digital technology I just could not begin to do my job but then you have to make a peace with that reality I mean you can actually write things down in a book and keep track of it that way which I think sounds very civilized but um, I, I, I couldn't send documents back and forth to the designer and the proofreader and the editor and and have that work. Mm. Um, we, you know, that you, you're going back to the Gutenberg press then, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't, you know, on some days it looks very attractive, I have to say. <laughs> yeah. um, but there must be changing pieces of technology and gardening, different kinds of upgrading of knowledge that you're doing with about... You know I always read about pHs and soil and yeah. how that changes and um, you know you must have changing changing technology as well in gardening
1: yeah, I mean definitely, but I'm not really at the cutting edge of of, of that. That's a difficult question to answer because it depends what aspect of gardening you're talking about. Uh, I mean, an interesting one that comes to mind to me is, is more, it's not gardening, but garden design, where um, I'm currently doing this course in garden design and we're having to do all the drawings by hand. And a lot of people on the course are moaning because they're saying that actually at this stage we won't ever have to do the drawings by hand because there's CAD, which is the the piece of technology where you, you just do the whole design on the computer. And our um, tutor actually admitted that for the last 10 years she hasn't done any drawings for her designs um, by hand. Nevertheless, there is a, a garden designer called Jenny Bloom, a, a, a first-rate one, who, who thinks that CAD completely takes the soul out of any um, garden design that you do because it just can't really express what you really want to do with the space in the, in the best way so um that that pleases me that someone like that can dismiss the the technological advances in that um obviously, the internet's very useful for looking up plants if i'm if I want to find out about a certain plant and I'm in a just there with my phone, I can look it up and um There are sort of things where you can take a picture of a plant and identify it that way. But I don't think those are at the stage yet where they're really that effective. But I imagine in the future you will um, will be able to use um, them much better. Um, Which which will be good because identifying a plant on the spot is precisely what it is, is, is very useful.
0: Why is it useful?
1: Well... Because you you don't know what it is and.
0: But why does it matter? Why do you have to know what it is?
1: Well, why do you have to know the names of anyone? It's important to know the names of a pl- of plants because that that gives an indication of where they where they grow, and also if you want to plant that plant somewhere else, if you don't know the name of it, how are you going to source it?
0: Good points. Good points. I suppose. Um There is a school of thought within um, grammar. So this is getting very icky-picky if you care about grammar, and almost nobody on the planet does care. But if you were to care about grammar, let's say you did, there is a school of thought which says we really have to know it, and we have to know exactly why it works the way it works. So you look at a sentence and you go, "Ah, oh, well, you see that's a as a misplaced modifier and a dangling antecedent, and as a result, you have the um, the subject not alignment with the verb, and you can you can discuss that." Um, and people go, oh, yes, of course, I understand exactly what you mean, yes, it's it's so common that error, that misplaced modifier, and that dangling antecedent, you know, just, and yet four out of five people who actually have decent English can look at something and go, well, that doesn't sound right, that's not, that's not a right sentence, it's, it's, that's an awkward construction, and rejig it so that it's correct, and you, they wouldn't know a dangling antecedent if it slapped them across the face. Hmm. So I just... And I'm of two minds on that one. Uh, you know, I always have a quest for more and more and more understanding of how language works. So I completely sympathise when you just go, wait, wait a minute, we have to know the name of the plant, like you just do, it's just, you have to know it.
1: But hang on, Katie, um, it's just about knowing the names of everything. It's uh, any kind of job that you do is based on knowledge and, um if if i walk around buildings and i don't know uh what type of bit what the name of that the type of building that is or what trees they are or anything or what pl- what the name of animals are our whole um system of of working is based on knowledge and we don't have any knowledge then you may as well just give up i mean the, that just seems strange to me to um to say that the names of plants aren 't important or that knowledge generally is not important it's i't d- I yeah it's just bizarre
0: that 's uh a, that's a I, you know look I happen to agree with you you know i uh, you know and I say this as someone who 's had far more education than really anybody ought to have had, and uh you know would happily go back to school tomorrow if I could figure out how to persuade someone to pay me to do so <laughs> so i'm I'm very I, I'm completely in agreement with you It's just um, and I'm, I'm quite touched by the fact that you're so passionate about it it's like it's just I, I think it's uh, I think it's almost one of the things that defines us as a species as human beings It's like we have this quest, this drive that's non-negotiable it's like a like an ethic like you know, it's like the 11th commandment that somehow fell off, thou shalt educate thyself. <laughs> um, so I've, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Sam. It's just, there's just an awful lot of plants in the world. That's the only thing like, whoa, how do you even keep them all straight?
1: Well, I mean, if you think about how many plants I actually know, I probably don't even know all the plants that are hardy in Britain. So that's a tiny, tiny percentage of, of the plants in the whole world. I don't pretend to, to have some kind of encyclopedic knowledge of—I
0: don't think anybody could, though. There I mean, are, are there people who there do, are, do? There
1: are some people. I—I'm I, a member of uh, the Mediterranean Plants and Garden Society, and some of the people there—they have an amazing, uh, incredible knowledge of of plants in in parts of Europe, and also all the hardy plant. They probably know all the hardy plants in in Britain too. Um, so. But, I mean, if you do something like that, if you commit your life to to learning all the names of the plants, uh, you don't have time to do anything else, which, when I first started horticulture, I was obviously very keen to to learn as much as I could as quickly as possible, but I did, never wanted to commit my life wholly to just being a horticulturist and nothing else. That seems very one-dimensional. And there was someone at the... At the uh, Mediterranean Plant Society, who has committed his life to to horticulture, and in some ways, I feel like he's missed out on other aspects of of life. Um, just art. I mean, I wonder how much he knows about art or philosophy or literature or that sort of thing. It's all been very focused on on that one particular avenue.
0: Well, there's always a price to pay for everything we do, isn't there? It's um you can't you can't do everything in life, uh, but that does bring us quite nicely to your book. Tell us about the book you've just finished writing.
1: It's about gardening, obviously it's got that angle, but I've tried to um weave my own personal story into it um it's It's not supposed to be an autobiography. it's just got um parts of my own story in it because um I couldn't really talk about gardening without bringing myself into it. Um, so they're little snippets of uh, of things that have gone wrong for me, things that have gone right, things that I've enjoyed, and... Um, and plants. Yeah, plants, <laughs> that I, pl- plants that I've known and loved, as, as you, catchy headline you, you suggested. Um,
0: and how can people get a hold of this book, Sam?
1: Uh, they can contact Claret Press, so I'm in, uh, enormously grateful to you for all their hard work. and uh,
0: It's available on Amazon um, and other e-platforms, or you can just contact Sam himself to get a copy of the book, because it's a beautiful book full of, you know, original illustrations that you've... Uh,
1: yeah, I was very pleased with those illustrations. Um, yeah, they, I think they really add an extra dimension to the book. Oh,
0: they're yeah. utterly charming, absolutely utterly charming. So what's the, um, what's the, here you are, you're taking a design course. You mm. are um, a gardener who also keeps a blog. You, you blog about gardening occasionally. Um, what's the, what's the, the thing that you've created that you're most proud of that you've done?
1: What in the garden you mean, or, anything. or just anything? Yeah, there, I mean the garden that I I most enjoyed looking after was um, was one. Uh, my mum lives lives in Clapham, and um, I got to know some of the neighbours around there. So I do a lot of gardens on Fitzwilliam Road, and one of the gardens there, I really poured my heart and soul into it. And um, this is when I started, just started, so I had quite a lot of time to to potter around in in this particular garden which I can't necessarily do um, as I've got more gardens and they've got bigger but I managed to sort of minutely cultivate um, this this garden there and so every corner of it was thought of uh, in the cottage garden style Uh, and um, someone said it was Maybe this sounds a bit sort of um, over the top, but she said it was like a sort of uh, enchanted garden because all the plants seemed to be flowering at the same time. Um, and there was one uh, planting I did there with sort of foxgloves and hesperis and Sweet Williams that was a bit like a Chelsea Physic Garden, sorry, Chelsea Flower Garden flower show garden because it flowered all at the same time actually afterwards there wasn't so much there but at that one stage in sort of May June the garden was just sort of lit up with all these flowers which I was really happy with I don't know why why at that particular time it uh, it looked so good but um, it was just sort of the weather conditions and um, the way I placed the plants because again, that was quite early in when I was gardening, but it, it just turned out so well. And actually on my um, Facebook page, um, I've still got that as the main picture of um, to sort of plug my, uh, my uh, business.
0: Wonderful. Yeah, I, I I'd imagine it must give such an enormous sense of satisfaction to, uh, you know, you work really hard in a garden and then it's so absolutely beautiful that people Call it enchanted. Like that you must just kind of you know, that just you know, that must just take you through the long, cold, dark winter months and think, oh, you know, I did that. I created that.
1: Well, you mean I'm I'm very self satisfied with my uh... <laughs> well,
0: I, well, you know what I you know what I I, I, yeah, I mean, we're not no, I wouldn't call you a self satisfied man. I really honestly wouldn't. Um, but I do think that when you create something it's perfectly legitimate to say hey you know what not shabby not shabby at all i did well on this one it it worked cuz there's always that element of the that magical mysterious extra element where sometimes despite your best efforts you know it doesn't quite gel yeah. and you're not quite sure why because all the component bits and pieces are there they've all it all should have come together better than it did and you're not quite sure why it isn't there. And even if nobody else notices the fact that it's not absolutely fabulous, you know it. So when it does come together and has that mm, that extra ingredient, you kind of go, all righty, all righty, I did well here, excellent. And I think we're allowed to quietly smile and pat ourselves on the back and say well done me, well done.
1: It's yeah. nice to get it right sometimes anyway. I mean, when I do see that picture, when I go on the Facebook page, it is nice to to have that memory that, because like you say, a lot of times, sometimes because of factors that are beyond my control, things don't go right in the garden. It's it's frustrating when, you know, it's not your mistakes that have caused the garden to, uh, to not gel as well as you'd like. It's because of the difficulty of your clients or financial factors or weather conditions or something like that. So yeah, it is really nice when it goes right.
0: There's so many things outside our control. It's just, <laughs> you know, I don't know how control freaks go through the world because with the best will in the world, there's just so many factors that are, are just so many balls in the air. That it's inevitable that occasional ball that you didn't even know about is gonna get dropped. So, um, what's next for you, Sam?
1: Well, I'm finishing this garden design course. I'm, I'm very hopeful that um, I'm gonna be able to do the um, the drawings well for that. Um, my sketching's improved a lot because of that, which has been a surprise, because when I was at school, I never really took art at all seriously. I think I really wound up my art teacher, actually, back then, but, uh, but anyway, uh, Yes, <laughs>
0: we, we should all wound up art teachers, poor old things. You know, they 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 work so flipping hard, and we just wind them up. You know, <laughs> You get creative people like you coming in who who just will not, who just, you know, just do not perform. It must be so frustrating for them, poor things.
1: Yeah, I I do regret, um, but I suppose being a teenager, you can't really behave well. anytime time, really. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it really, it really has been an eye-opener for me doing the, 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 the sketching because I didn't think I'd be able to do it and now I can sketch. Okay, I can't do anything like the illustrations that Anastasia did for the book, but uh, certainly I can, I can draw some plants and things which is, which is nice and will upscale my, my business, I hope. Uh, there's also the book, which I which has obviously been a long time coming, and we're very close to finishing that now. I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, woohoo! Um, yeah. The new gardening season is, is is starting to get into full swing. Where you know the the new growths on the the plants and everything, which is always an exciting time of year. And summer, you know, the loveliest season of the year is just around the corner as well. So there's a lot to look forward to. Um, which is a nice feeling to have, really.
0: Yes, absolutely. And on that wonderful note, we're going to wrap it up because you just can't... Uh, you know, honestly, if that had been scripted, you couldn't improve on that line. <laughs> no wonder why you're writing books. <laughs> You've got a hidden talent with words as well as with, with flowers and plants. So thank you very much to Sam McDonald for joining us today at Claret and Conversation. If you're interested in, in contacting Sam McDonald, his contact details are on the Clareton Conversation website and on the Facebook page.
1: Uh, my email address uh, is sammcdonald3 at Yeah. And, uh,
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming, Sam. Yeah.
1: Thank you very much, Katie.
0: Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook or subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with the latest news, events, and podcast updates. The newsletter is available through our Claret Press website or our Clapton Publishing Services website. Claret and Conversation is hosted by myself, Katie. It's produced by Alex Holmes and edited and engineered by Chelsea Moore. We've had additional assistance from Hugo Zhang.